Welcome to Ask the Blood Detective. My name is Dr. Michael Wald, and welcome to today's show topic, which I call Aging Backwards. You know, many of us are concerned about how we age. Many of the patients that I speak with say to me, you know, Dr. Wald, what I'm interested in is not so much living longer, but living longer with a quality of life. And in the healthcare industry, we call that living longer during the non-disability stage of life. And as non-disability implies, there are just too many individuals aging inappropriately who suffer from all manner of disabilities. And those disabilities rob us of our sense of well-being. They quite literally prevent us from living life to its fullest. And for someone uh, personally who knows what it's like to have a degenerative disease of multiple sclerosis, and I've beaten it, I can tell you that not having quality of life, well, it's, it's just not fun. It's just not fun. Now, having said this, whether we're speaking about a variety of cancers or diabetes or arthritis or thyroid issues or hormone issues, musculoskeletal problems, memory problems, you name it, the process of digestion can be affected in a favorable way. The way in which human beings age for the last several decades has been misunderstood in this respect. A lot of the disabilities, symptoms, signs, you know, your diagnoses, your health problems that we have are said quite often to be the result of aging, but really they are concomitant with aging. They are not from aging. And they can be either prevented entirely or delayed significantly, or at the very least, all of those health problems I just mentioned, and probably every one of those health problems on your mind right now that either you might suffer from or perhaps a loved one or a family member, are amenable and respond favorably to nutritional and natural methods when they're done right. So, when, I, when I'm speaking about aging backwards, and I chose that term very carefully, we're talking about affecting how you biologically age. Now, we can't affect how we chronologically age. You know, we are as old as we are in terms of years, and there's, there's nothing that can be done about that. But what we can affect most favorably is how we age biologically. And I'm going to discuss for a moment some of the fundamental ways in which human beings age because I think that if you have a practical understanding of this, you don't need to memorize it. You don't even need to be able to repeat it. But after listening to this show topic, I'm hoping that you're simply left with a, with a sense of power, that you can be your own personal blood detective and affect the way that you age. That is aging backwards reversing biological age. And diseases are things that increase our biological age. You know, when you have 
arthritis or pain in your knee or your shoulder or your back, for example, those areas of your body are aging unlike some other areas of your, of your spinal column or your skeletal system. The point I'm trying to make here is that neither one of us age identically and each of us doesn't age, we don't, our organs don't age the same. Here's an interesting example you might not know, is that even traditional medicine has determined that if human beings could live to 120 years, the first tissue that would generally break down would tend to be the, the kidneys or the renal system. And we see in uh, individuals in their late 50s and early 60s, the beginnings of renal degeneration. And that would look like uh, a creatinine clearance result that's elevated. And if some of you are familiar with that, you might have talked to your doctors and they would have said to you, well, you know, we call that chronic renal failure. And that word failure can be pretty scary. And the doctor will say, no, no, don't worry. It, it just means that your kidneys are starting to give out, but you could live decades uh, with insufficient kidneys. And you could, that, that is true. But you can live longer, possibly, without degenerative and chronic renal failure. The point I'm trying to make here is that I use the kidneys as one example of how our organs just age differently. Now, of course, because we all age differently, there are individuals that will never have kidney failure in their lifetimes. They may have uh, died from uh, cardiovascular disease, or they may, may suffer from a stroke, um, from hypertension, or cancer from any one of several organs or organ systems. So there's a genetic predisposition that we all have to aging and disease in a particular way. And then our environments, uh, the radiation we're exposed to on the earth, terrestrial radiation, solar radiation, medical radiation, toxins in the environment, toxins that our bodies make, the foods we eat, the foods we don't eat, the foods we don't absorb, all of these and other factors are, are the uh, determinants of how we age. And the holistic concept of aging, the natural concept of aging, is such that we want to impact favorably how the body manages dealing with all of these, these causes of aging so that we can age backwards in a very real way. So let me just define again what I mean by aging backwards and then, as I promised, let's talk about how we age and then specific ways in which we can use diet, lifestyle, including nutritional supplements, which have a big role in aging backwards to our benefit. So aging backwards simply means reversing biological aging. Now, a common term in the natural healthcare field is reversing aging. And I have used the term myself, I do admit, but I I rarely do because it's, it's inaccurate. We're not really reversing aging. What we're doing is we're retarding and we are causing the body to heal better. Now, from a biological perspective, if you have degeneration in an organ, which is aging, and you regenerate that organ, you have an effect aged backwards. So now that we've defined our terms, 
And I do like, again, aging backwards better than reversing aging because reversing aging does imply to some that we're, we're actually literally reversing the aging process. And at least in traditional medicine, they react very unfavorably to that term. If you were to say to your doctors, your regular physicians, most of them, after you said, Doc, what do you think about you know, anti-aging or reversing aging with natural medicine and nutrition? They would say it's ridiculous. You can't reverse aging. But you can age backwards. So let's talk about some terms. And I'll also direct you to some of my earlier blood detective shows, all of which you can find on my blog at um, blooddetective.com. Just go to the blog section. And that's my nutritional supplement website. But my regular website, which is integratednutritionny.com, also has the same radio shows under the blog and also lots and lots more content that you can search for right on the search bar on the homepage. And then the radio shows, as I mentioned, are on the blog. And I have over 60 videos uh, that you'll see in the video section, many on the, the aging process. So... In terms of aging, there are three fundamental theories of how human beings age, and they are the antioxidant theories of aging, the hormone decline theory, theory of aging, and the telomere theory. Let me start with the last one. So telomeres are sort of like little tails that are on the end of chromosomes, and as human beings age, uh, researchers and gerontologists, aging specialists, have, and physiologists have figured out that as we age, the telomere, that little tail on the end of a chromosome, it shrinks. And we've also discovered that the use of vegan diets, clean diets, diets lower in pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides, and diets much higher than average in zinc, vitamin A, vitamin D, resveratrol, many other antioxidants can slow the shortening of the telomere. It can retard the aging of that telomere. In fact, some of the research is showing that when nutrition is used right, you might actually be able to age backwards such that the telomere gains length. It was once thought that the telomere would only lose length. It was not thought that it can gain length. Now, not everything that I'll be discussing today in terms of nutrition and natural health and healing will reverse age or age backward the telomere, but many of the things may. But I've chosen to discuss my top 10 or so nutritional supplement picks that have been well studied for uh, retarding the aging process and to offset and delay the onset of many, many different types of diseases or conditions. Now, having said that, I cannot know exactly the doses that each of you listening today would need. So in my blood detective line of supplements, which you can view at blooddetective.com, what I've done is I've put a minimum level on the label that would usually be the lowest dose that most individuals might need. And some individuals may need more. And as a self-proclaimed blood detective, I use laboratory testing and detailed uh, blood detective questionnaires to help narrow down the doses, the combinations of different nutrients that you would need, as an individual would need, to help reverse age the body or age backwards. So 
The telomere theory is the shortening or the lengthening, hopefully, of the telomere, which is that tail on the end of a chromosome. And chromosomes are basically the intelligence of our cells, which determine how our cellular structures change and repair. And then there's what's known as the antioxidant theory of aging. And most of you are probably familiar with this, at least in concept, that human beings age because we oxidize. Oxidation is, is like rust or the rusting process. Or if you were to put a slab of butter out in your kitchen for a week, it would oxidize. And your cells, by and large, are made of lipid or fatty membranes, and they also oxidize. And as a human being oxidizes, they're aging normally, because oxidation is part of the so-called normal aging process. But I would submit to you that most people do not age normally. They age at an accelerated rate. And if we have an understanding of the telomere theory, the antioxidant theory, and the hormone decline theories of aging, we might be able to age backwards. So the antioxidant theory, if you really sound out the word antioxidant, tends to mean that if the human body, if our biological systems were to favorably deal with oxidation by taking antioxidants in the form of foods and or nutritional supplements, that we might retard the oxidant degenerative effects of the normal aging process so that we age much, much more favorably. And there is quite a lot of scientific data to support this. You know, I also want to take a moment to just remind everyone listening that on the Blood Detective radio shows, on Ask the Blood Detective, I make it my goal to provide you with information that has some level of evidence base. And what that means in the scientific community is that there have been the appropriate types and amounts and well-controlled studies on the use of the various nutritional elements that I'm discussing. So much of natural medicine is based on lack of evidence base, claims being made that really should not be made. And without saying too much about those things, which I, which I have throughout many of my radio shows, I'm simply going to let you know that every single concept I'm speaking about now has a strong evidence base. So if it sounds remarkable to you that some of the things that I'm saying are true, then you feel free to send me an email at info at blooddetective.com or better yet, go onto my Facebook page, which you'll find the link at the bottom of the homepage at uh, integrated nutritionny.com or blooddetective.com and post your question so that when I respond to it, everyone can hear the answer. I'm happy to, to post responses, also uh, references for those of you who are very scientifically minded. So we have now the telomere theory of aging. We have the antioxidant theory of aging, which basically again says that we all oxidize. And as we oxidize, that's a degenerative, degenerative process. And that means our regenerative capacity is diminished, generally speaking, as we age. But because of poor diet and stress and lack of deep sleep and lack of exercise or too much of the wrong exercises and exposures to radiation and chemicals and pollutants and all sorts of things in our environments, many of us simply are not aging normally. So we're far more oxidized and our telomeres are shortening at exponential rates figuratively speaking. And then we have what's called the hormone decline theory of aging. That means what it says. 
is that as a person ages, both men and women, it seems that at various periods of our lives, our hormonal or endocrine system starts to fatigue and give out and the production of various hormones is less and less and less. Now, in some cases, this is certainly a good thing. Uh, for example, in women that are postmenopausal, whose bodies and ovaries or adrenal glands uh, start to make less and less estrogen, this helps reduce the risk of estrogen-promoted cancers, like breast cancer and uterine cancer. On the other hand, having low estrogens might cause hot flashes in a woman, dry skin, vaginal dryness, all sorts of things. So there are pluses and minuses to our hormones declining, but they are different depending on the hormone or hormones we're talking about. For example, our adrenal glands. Our adrenal glands are glands that sit on the top of our kidneys. Our kidneys are about the size of our fists, and our adrenal glands are about the size of our thumbs, which are anatomically right on top of our kidneys. And these adrenal glands deal with all manner of stress, emotional stress, physical stress, biochemical stress, all is mediated and involves, provokes the adrenal glands to manage the stress of life. Now, these adrenal glands make, among other hormones, one hormone known as DHEA, or dehydroepiandosterone. And DHEA levels start to decline in the average person at around age 30. And human beings start to age more quickly, also at around that time, by and large. Scientists have figured out, and I've certainly seen this in my 27 years of practice, that as the body either makes less of diff different hormones like DHEA or, this is important, your body might make a high level of a hormone like DHEA or may, may keep a level that's consistent with what yours was when you were 30 years old, but you still might be fatigued. You still might have muscle wasting. You still might, have not, might not have the effects of um, the positive effects that you would expect with your exercise efforts because your body can become insensitive to hormones or desensitized to hormones. So that simply means that you may have normal amounts of hormones, but your cells are not seeing those hormones and then therefore responding to the hormones. Now, this last concept is a very important point because... I commonly see uh, patients who will say to me, Dr. Well, can you measure my hormone levels? And the thing is that the level of hormone in the blood most often does not represent or does not mesh with, does not agree with a lot of the hormone deficiency symptoms that people might experience. That's because, and picture this, you can have a normal amount of a hormone, but your cells may not be recognizing the hormone. That's called hormone insensitivity. This is why most endocrinologists, most OBs, for example, they don't even bother, for the most part, measuring these hormones on a routine basis. There are, there are exceptions, of course, when we want to measure hormone levels, but by and large, because they understand this insensitivity principle. So basically, the best way to provide hormones that are biological I should say, uh, bio biologically identical, which is what I favor, is based upon how a person responds. So I use a very, very detailed uh, blood detective hormonal questionnaire, and this helps orient me towards which hormones the person needs. And uh, meaning it looks at their symptoms and the signs, things that I see on a person. And then I recommend the biologic hormone or 
better yet, a diet and the proper nutritional supplements that might help the body make more hormones because I feel it's best to have the body produce its own natural hormones first before a person takes even bioidentical hormones. So what we're talking about here is aging backwards, aging better. And one of the ways that we can age better is to improve the the sensitivity of your body's cells, tissues, and organs to different hormones. So that as hormones do tend to decline as we age, your body's receptivity to them, your body's sensitivity to them should increase making up for the decline. Okay? So the three major theories of aging, the hormone decline theory, the antioxidant theory, the telomere theory, what I haven't told you yet is that these are not mutually exclusive ways in which human beings age. These are just three of the more of the most ex- well-accepted uh, theories of how human beings age. And for example, for a telomere to shorten, as we said earlier, which is associated with a, with a, a shorter life, that telomere oxidizes a bit. So we have the antioxidant theory involved in the telomere shortening. And the, we just spoke about in some detail about hormone desensitization, how hormone sensitivity can be diminished. Well, think about it. If you have a hormone floating around in your blood and you want it to stimulate your brain to, let's say, think better, if the receptors, if the little areas on the brain tissue for, let's say, DHEA hormone from the adrenals, if they're distorted somehow, then the DHEA can't quite fit in. It might, those receptors they're called, the places for the hormones like DHA, might uh, break down through what's known as oxidation. So we have the antioxidants to help that, but, but my point is that oxidation can cause breakdown of hormone, hormone receptors, and that can cause our body cells not to use hormones properly. You know, when that happens, when the body loses sensitivity to hormones, it might, if it's working correctly, increase the what's known as endogenous production of hormones. So in other words, if the body is not using hormones as well, it might increase the production of hormones to try to make up for that, or it might increase the cell's receptivity to the hormone. And either of these problems, hormone sensitivity issues or the body not making enough hormone, can be effectively managed quite often with natural uh, medicine and, and nutrition. So I'm about to speak about specific nutritional approaches that would favorably affect all of these different ways in which human beings age such that we can most favorably age backwards as time moves on. Look, we're all going to die of something at some time, but I don't know about you. I want to extend and I want to enjoy life as much as possible during the non-disability stage. So this year, when I visited Iceland and Ireland and Scotland and Italy and a bunch of other places, I was running around like a kid and I'm nearly 52 years old. This is possible for most people. And when I am 52 on February 9th, I'll be posting a video of some of my physical feats on my face, uh, Facebook page so you can see what is possible. Now, 
you might look at some of the things that I can do and say, I, first of all, I don't want to do that. And secondly, I don't think I ever could. It's not a matter of you reaching what I've done necessarily. But if you shoot for something higher and better that's more conducive to the kind of life you want to live and you shoot for that rather than just settling, you're likely to get further than where you've gotten. And that is the concepts that I'll be discussing and have been discussing today. So what we're really trying to do with aging backwards is repairing the body, having the repair process exceed the degenerative process. That's fundamentally how we age backwards. Because as we've discussed with aging, there's degeneration in different tissues and how we each age in our own ways, some of them unique. And that's why it's important for any health efforts, whether they're exercise or diet or nutritional supplements, to be based upon your actual biochemical needs that are behind your symptoms. So for example, maybe your joints hurt because you have an autoimmune disease. Maybe that autoimmune disease is called rheumatoid arthritis. Maybe it's not an autoimmune disease. Maybe it's just osteoarthritis, the, what's known as degenerative joint disease. Or maybe it's lupus degenerating the joints or some other problem, an infection. The point is the joint symptoms, the muscle aches and pains as well, can feel all the same. But in order to focus on the cause, we need to know what is the cause or causes. So too much in natural medicine, too much in regular medicine, in my opinion, is too generalized. We need to be, we need to personalize what we need if we want successful aging backwards. So what happens when we age? Well, a lot of things happen to different people. Some people get increased cholesterol levels. Other people develop hypertension. Others, as I mentioned, develop joint and musculoskeletal pain and, and neuropathies like lack of sensation or tingly feelings or just chronic neuro neuropathic pain. We developed, for the most part, weakened immunity, but also autoimmunity. So we have three different immune systems. You might want to look at my Everything Immune Show. Aging is really an autoimmune process. What that means is that the body tissues break down. They don't look like normal tissues. So your immune system says, hey, you need to get, get out of here. So that immune system makes antibodies. Antibodies release chemicals. The chemicals break down the tissues. The tissues are now they're more abnormal. And then this autoimmune process can be a vicious cycle of breakdown and attempt at repair and more breakdown. So... Of, and I mentioned we have three arms of the immune system, but the two I'm just going to briefly uh, speak about here now is that we have the autoimmune system, which has to do with antibody production. Think of antibodies like the pet little Pac-Man. They, they break down things in the body. And then we have our cell-mediated immune system. That just means that we have cells called white blood cells that mediate our immune response. And as we age, here's the point to get, folks. Our autoimmune system with the antibodies increases and our cell-mediated immunity decreases. Other individuals, as they age in their unique ways, develop blood sugar problems. Maybe it's diabetes. Maybe it's pre-diabetes. Maybe it's something in the middle. Others develop low hormones and all the symptoms associated with that. 
low DHEA, low pregnenolone, low estrogen in the brain, low progesterone in the brain, can cause dementia, can break down the body, causing weakness, which means lack of motion, which means the person gains weight, which means the person develops insulin resistance, which means the blood pressure goes up. So a lot happens when the body does not move normally. And we need hormones to repair tissues. And then, of course, many of us age by developing cancer. And, you know, most of us don't merely age with just one health problem. We tend to have what are, what's uh, euphemistically referred to in medicine as disease clusters. We have some joint pain. We can't remember what we ate for breakfast. Uh, we've got a skin problem. We've got a gut problem. We've got a fatigue problem or a cancer, you name it. And as we grow older, our detoxification ability diminishes. Now, the body detoxes in a number of ways. So when you hear or read something about, oh, this is the best detox product, or here's how you should detoxify for 21 days, this is how you do it. It's nonsense. Because we need to pay attention to what organs, tissues, and organ systems function is being reduced that uh, normally would have a detoxification uh, effect in the body. So for example, the lungs are detoxification organs. If the lungs are diminished in function, and you may not know that they are, you might have a slightly elevated carbon dioxide level in your blood. And carbon dioxide, that nasty stuff we're supposed to blow out with every exhalation, might accumulate in the body. And that carbon dioxide forms carbonic acid. And that acid lowers your blood pH. pH is your acid-based balance. And as that pH reduces, degenerative effects increase. Now, someone sent me a question, well, shouldn't we just drink alkaline water? Wouldn't that offset the acid in the blood from aging? Well, it possibly could in certain individuals, but they are few and far between because alkaline water has its own problems. First of all, it's alkaline water. Assuming it really is alkaline water, you would be diluting your stomach acid with every sip you're taking. If you dilute your stomach acid, you will cause what's known as malabsorption. Malnutrition would result thereafter. And also, if you alkalinize your stomach, you might also overalkalinize your intestinal tract, and that can cause an overgrowth of all sorts of parasitic fungal and bacterial bugs, for example. Uh, not to mention you'd affect digestion in, in, in ways that are just uh, too much to even get into on this show. You might want to listen to, my, listen to my Everything Digestion show to hear more about that. If you have chronic reflux disease or GERD, gastrointestinal reflux disease, then that's probably a good reason to sip alkaline water all day. But quite honestly, there's hardly another example. First of all, drinking sips of alkaline water or even a whole bottle of alkaline water in a day that will not likely affect your pH in your blood at all. It will affect the pH in your stomach for sure, for at least a short, short periods of time. What changes favorably the pH in your blood is by working on your entire body as a whole. The reason is all of your organs, they, have, they do things, right? And they produce their secretions, which are secreted in the blood in the plasma, in the serum of the body. And all that, that plasma and serum, your blood supply, 
Your organs are swimming in that stuff. So your organs secrete out their secretions and there is this communication among all of your organs. It is holistic. And overall, your blood pH should be very tightly controlled. By the way, forget everything you know about urine and saliva pH. I am talking about the real pH, the blood pH. The blood pH should be on average 7.4. It should not vary any more than 7.35 to 7.45. So on average, 7.4. An increase or a decrease in your blood pH by even 0.1 can cause catastrophic problems. In order to fix your blood pH, this is the, the, the takeaway point, we have to give each organ what it needs for health so it contributes what it contributes into the mix in that plasma with its secretions to give us the pH we like. So human beings will, human beings age rapidly when the pH of the body is either too much on the acid end of things, on the lower end, or too much on the alkaline end. That's why there is an optimal range. Having said that, there definitely are times when we want to push the pH one direction or another. I'll give you two examples. We would want a, the blood pH to be a little bit lower than normal, a little bit. We're talking maybe 0.5 lower if we want to treat seizures or if we want to deal with dementia, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, multiple sclerosis, anything that involves the brain or spinal cord, we want a slightly lower, more on the acid side pH because when certain acids in the blood called ketone bodies are higher, that means the blood pH should be on the lower end. That helps to rebuild the nervous system. So if anyone's out there with any of those neurologic symptoms, whether it's neurologic pain or dementia, as I mentioned, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, and you are not on either medium-chain triglyceride, which is a supplement that helps the body produce ketones for repair, or you're not taking raspberry ketones, there's a problem with your protocol. In fact, if you're working on your nervous system and you've not even heard of what I've just said, you need to find yourself another practitioner because these are such basic things to nervous system repair that they, whoever leaves them out clearly needs to educate themselves. So a few moments ago, I talked about different aspects of biological aging. I'll quickly review them. Increased cholesterol, blood pressure, joint pain, stiffness, weakness, neuropathy, immune problems, cancer, low hormones, sugar problems, detoxification problems, memory issues, and the like. All of these things are generally treated with medications in traditional medicine to alleviate symptoms. And listen, I get that someone needs relief, but I would also suggest that a combination of traditional approaches with natural medicine would be the least the least, uh, I should say, the least that one should do to manage their health and healing. Because sometimes medications can alleviate your symptoms to such an extent that you can hang in there long enough for nutrition to do the, the healing. 
And then there are some of you out there who just don't want to go the medication route. I respect that. Uh, that's pretty much how I do things. I've never been on an MS medication. When my father, as a, as a teenager, brought me to two neurologists, uh, co-workers of his, they gave me prednisone. And I have that bottle of prednisone still today. I'm 51 and I still have that bottle of prednisone and every single pill is in it. I kept it because I just had a sense that one day I would need it. It even says the, the name and address of the pharmacy that I picked it up at in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. So for those of you who want to read more about my experiences with MS and healing, you would just search my website on the homepage for Mile 18, which is a short paper I wrote all about that, or under the About Me section at the top of the website on the homepage. So let me give you some specific nutritional examples of things. Now, these nutrients I'm going to speak about now, you can find them in different foods, but the problem with just the diet is that as we age and as we malabsorb, our needs for nutrition increase uh, to a large extent. And depending on what particular health problems you have, even more in particular areas, there is just no way to quantify and to make sure that your diet is properly focused on the nutrition that you need if you're just relying on diet, even if it's the cleanest diet. So for those of you who have philosophical concerns, which I am not invalidating at all, that you feel that diet should be the number one thing or the only thing, and others that acknowledge or believe that nutritional supplements have their place, you might want to listen to my radio shows, Diet versus Supplement. That and the supplements. Uh, my opinion is that a combination are always needed, are always, always needed. We do not have to prioritize one or the other. And the only justification that I have ever heard for diet only is that I would hear things like, well, if we truly balanced our diet, we wouldn't need nutrients. That, I feel, is a bit ignorant because, first of all, balancing of the diet is a balancing act because your nutritional needs change on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, certainly over time. So even if you could somehow balance your diet one day or one week or one month, it's very different over the course of time. And I would say that a person can't. So diet to me represents a certain base. And then we have nutritional supplements which push us in the directions that we need to go, nutritionally speaking. So one of the nutritional supplements that are important for virtually everyone, and I do have to give a brief disclaimer here, is that I don't know what medications you may be taking. You may have genetic or other issues that might have some of these nutrients not be the ideal thing for you. Uh, that I just can't tell you. So you must consult with a trained nutritionist. I would suggest someone who has a dietitian license and preferably who has a dietitian license and a certified nutrition specialist license. These are the highest designations of nutrition that are recognized, at least in the state of New York. And then it wouldn't hurt if they had a master's degree as well, because that does add to the basic education. If your nutritionist has board certifications, well, that gives them even a further advantage. 
So it really does matter uh, how much education and how many years of experience someone has in this area. Now, having said that, active folic acid is one of my top picks, along with a certain amount of uh, other B vitamins. Active means the L5-methyl tetrahydrofolate form of folic acid. That's the L5-methyl tetrahydrofolate form of folic acid, along with about 25 milligrams of riboflavin, which is B2, and a thousand micrograms of the methylated B12 and what's called activated B6. I always combine these and, and you can look at my active folate supplement at the blooddetective.com website. It has all of these things already in it. This helps protect a person from cardiovascular disease. It can lower blood pressure, uh, lower cancer risk because these, most of these vitamins are needed to correct DNA damage in different cells. We also need B vitamins for general energy, not just per perceived energy, but also energy in the cells, what's known as cellular energy to uh, cause uh, healing to happen. And then one of my other favorites for most individuals, practically everyone really, is alpha lipoic acid. And alpha lipoic acid is in the B vitamin family. It is both a water-soluble and a fat-soluble nutrient, which means some of its effects are antioxidant effects. So it's going to reduce oxidative aging in both the cell, I'm sorry, the water-soluble compartments of the body and the fatty areas, pretty much everywhere. Lipoic acid's also very good for promoting uh, liver regeneration and, is a, and it's a, um, a detoxifier of a variety of different types of toxins that some of us are um, exposed to daily. And lipoic acid for most individuals should be at around 300 milligrams daily. And it works much better if you combine it with biotin at around uh, 300 micrograms. Lipoic acid also is a chelator, which means it binds to different metals. And it's a real chelator. What I mean by that is it actually can remove metals as opposed to so many things that some natural healthcare providers promote, like let's say chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is not going to remove any metals. It's basically expensive fiber. So I'm talking about supplements that have a strong evidence base, like I mentioned before, of doing what I'm saying that they can do. One of my other favorite picks of supplements is actually a combination, and it's for blood pressure. Now, blood pressure is no joke, and there are a number of nutritional synergists that should be taken together that, within the context of proper exercise and diet, really can lower blood pressure. And that would they would include garlic powder, the bulb of garlic, hibiscus flower powder, olive leaf, hawthorn, uva ursi, juniper berry powder, and uh, green tea uh, leaf, the decaffeinated extract, those and a few other synergists I've combined in my blood detective balance because if someone's going to just take one thing, it would be that. And blood pressure is a major killer. Hypertension is a major killer. And individuals will simply have a stroke and they'll have no warning because we all know that strokes are known as the silent killer. And let's talk about blood sugar. 
There's hardly a disease that affects human beings that on some level does not involve blood sugar imbalance. Now, a lot of the time, blood sugar imbalance is not measurable. Your blood glucose might be normal. And another test called hemoglobin A1C, which is an average of about two months of blood sugar, might also be normal. There's another test called fructosamine. That's about a two-week average of blood sugar. These tests might be normal, but people can still have problems with blood sugar. And we'll probably do an entire show all about blood sugar, in fact. But suffice it to say that I like to put everyone that I see on a comprehensive synergistic blood sugar supplement. That blood sugar supplement needs to contain a minimum of 800 micrograms of chromium. But the chromium can't be in just any kind. It has to be chromium O polynicotinate. The polynicotinate form of chromium is the one that is most effective for managing blood sugar. And it works much better if someone takes approximately 400 milligrams of, li- of alpha-lipoic acid with it. And look, we, most of us have heard about using cinnamon bark extract uh, for blood sugar lowering. If you just eat cinnamon, it might work, but it's very inconsistent. But if you're actually getting the cinnamon bark that's standardized to about 150 milligrams, and you're taking it with the 400 milligrams of lipoic acid, and you're taking that with uh, about 800 micrograms of the O-polynicotinate chromium. And then, very importantly, you still need two other things to really make a dent in blood sugar, is to take biotin at 3,000 micrograms and vanadyl sulfate hydrate at 50 milligrams. All of these are found in my blood sugar balance. I put these products together over a large number of years based on the changing research. So I might place a patient on, the, on two capsules, let's say, of blood sugar balance, and then based on their metabolic rate uh, and other factors in their diet and lifestyle, I might increase the dose. So because blood sugar dysregulation is in the background of a lot of human aging, it's something I always provide my patients. Now, we talked about hormones. One of the hormones that I like to uh, recommend is DHEA, dehydroepiendosterone. That's that hormone that starts to decline in levels due to adrenal fatigue that hits most men and women at about age 30. So the thing about DHEA is, first of all, it's illegal in sports performance, like at an Olympic level, because it works. It improves muscle tone, muscle strength, healing, People, however, who have a history of estrogen-related cancers, uh, I would not take DHEA without supervision because DHEA can potentially produce estrogen in the body. But when properly used, and I start about an individual with about 25 milligrams of DHEA taken in the morning because DHEA is highest in the morning. So we want to mimic normal biological clocks. If I can't fix someone's weak adrenals to make their own DHA, I give them DHA, I start at 25 milligrams. Many cancers, many, many autoimmune diseases are shown to be favorably affected with the right dose and type of DHEA. Now, another hormone that is really a aging backward hormone is something called pregnenolone. 
Now, pregnenolone sounds a lot like progesterone. And they are related, in fact, because cholesterol in the body forms pregnenolone. And, uh, well, I should say, cholesterol, yes, cholesterol in the body forms pregnenolone, pregnenolone forms progesterone, progesterone forms DHEA, and progesterone also forms estrogens and testosterone. But I like using pregnenolone in my patients when appropriate, and I will start them, I'll tell you that the average dose would be 10 milligrams in the, in the morning. And I like this woman because it filters down appropriately with the, the right balance of diet and other supplementation so that a person doesn't uh, overload themselves with hormones. You gently want to stimulate cells with hormones. You don't want to you know, hit them with a hammer, if you know what I'm saying. Melatonin is another one of my favorite hormones. Melatonin should only be given at night. And for example, in certain cancers and autoimmune diseases, amounts of melatonin in the 12 milligram range are considered the minimum for anti-cancer effects, let's say in breast cancer. But melatonin at the right dose in the right person might also help sleep. We, most of us know that. Most of my patients say, no, nah, it doesn't help my sleep. Well, a lot of things throw off sleep and it may have nothing to do with melatonin. But melatonin is a fat-soluble antioxidant. It's many times more potent as an antioxidant than vitamin E is, or even vitamin C. That's not to say that melatonin should replace those antioxidants, but it is important nonetheless. So I will start people with one milligram, and I combine it with a very important neurotransmitter supplement known as GABA. Now, the point of all of this conversation about these particular nutrients is that my 27 years of experience, my two board certifications in nutrition, my medical school education, my chiropractic school education, my nursing school education, my dietitian education, all of my exposures have taught me that these are the most common things that I've seen working with thousands of patients over the years. So melatonin taken with GABA. GABA stands for gamma amino butyric acid. It is a comative, relaxing, promoting amino acid. And it's normally made in the body. And by taking GABA along with melatonin, you can help anxiety, you can help depression, you can improve the body's healing process because we need GABA to increase the functioning of a certain part of our nervous system, which really does all the healing. And that would be the parasympathetic nervous, uh, nervous system. The sympathetic one ages us. The parasympathetic, which produces GABA, among other things, is relaxing, promoting healing, sleep. GABA is really interesting because it not only helps sleep, and not only helps reduce anxiety when used right, but it enhances the effects of melatonin or anything else that you might take to increase serotonin. So melatonin increases serotonin in the body, which can help the gut and the brain. The gut has more serotonin than the brain. If you want to really promote healing of the gut and, and reduce malabsorption so that you can age better, you can age backwards, you'd want to take GABA because GABA enhances the receptivity of melatonin to the tissues. So it just makes it work better. And I usually start people with a GABA dose of, well, for, for most normal weight people, 250 milligrams. 
And by adding glycine and something called cramp bark and donquai root extract and a little bit of B6 and vitamin C to my GABA supplement, it works very, very nicely. Now, some additional things for reducing the aging process would include uh, a chemical that's found in cruciferous vegetables, and it's, and it's abbreviated DIM, D-I-M, or um, di-dionylmethyl, I'm sorry, sorry, I always mispronounce this, even myself after all these years, is methane. i got to say it slow, not three times fast. So methane or DIM, at about 100 milligrams, combining it with something called I3C or indole-3-carbonyl, helps the body get the most out of your hormones. These chemicals support the liver in such a way that you can improve hormone utilization. And remember, we started off the show by talking about how hormone decline or hormone uh, receptor sensitivity diminishes as we age. We have a few minutes for a couple of other of my top picks. Now, when someone has any persistent gut problem, and you've taken probiotics and all that, I put a person on a particularly uh, potent probiotic, which I call probiotic blast, or something called uh, superbugs. On my blood detective website, you'll see superbugs, but my probiotic blast product is entirely new. It's a powdered form of probiotics, which has the four different types of lactobacillus acidophilus we need, along with the two types of bifidobacteria. We need certain ratios, folks, to make certain things happen, and not all probiotics are the same. So I use this probiotic blast powdered product which will provide a person with about 20 billion units of these probiotics, 20 billion. And these are alive, and it's so stable, this product, it doesn't even have to be refrigerated. Again, you won't see that on the website, and I don't start most people off with it. I'll start them off with Superbugs. And Superbugs is a similar formula, which is in a capsule form, because I want that to make its way down to the small intestine directly. And uh, just one capsule is 100 billion bugs. The units of measuring probiotics, like how many, should be in CFU units. Any other units are a lie. They mean nothing. They're not standardized. You just don't know what you're getting. Another problem as we age that I mentioned earlier is too much autoimmunity and too little cell-mediated immunity. And that means that our bodies can become breeding grounds for different types of parasites, uh, bacterial parasites, fungal parasites, wormy parasites, and all of that. And they tend to leak out through our small intestine, uh, and they can hide in organs, and they release, and they basically crap all over everything, <laughs> releasing endotoxin. And there are different tests that can look for these things, but not everything is testable. So I developed something called a parasite-free formula that I use that has over 25 different combinations of herbs in the right ratios that a good amount of evidence suggests need to be taken together. You know, a common error that I see when people supplement in general is they take too little of something or they don't take it in the right combinations with other synergists so they have some chance to actually work. 
So I'll usually put most of my patients on my parasite-free formula at about two capsules a day if they're of normal weight. And I suppose I'll mention one more thing, and that would be the use of vitamin C and digestive enzymes. Now, not all digestive enzymes are the same, and not all forms of vitamin C are the same. As far as vitamin C, most people should start by taking what's called a buffered vitamin C. That means the vitamin C is buffered with a certain amount of calcium, a certain amount of magnesium and potassium. So one scoop of a really good form of buffered C would give you about 2,300 milligrams of vitamin C. And that should be figured out by a urine test of vitamin C and also what's called a tolerance test where a person tests their tolerance to vitamin C at home. And many of my uh, radio shows have discussed what's called the vitamin C flush test, which is how you figure out how much vitamin C you need. And the other important thing, what I'll end the show with today for the, the whole concept of aging backwards is as we age, we tend to produce fewer digestive enzymes. That means we malabsorb. If we malabsorb, we don't heal. If we take all the right nutrients and foods and we don't absorb them, we will not heal. We will age badly. So I have something called uh, Detox Absorb Complex. It's an enzyme combination that contains over 20 different types of digestive aids and combinations in ratios that I've studied over the course of time. So we don't want to group all enzymes in the same and in the same club. And then how we dose the enzymes is I might just have a person start with one enzyme capsule per meal, but then I do under supervision what's known as an enzyme loading test, and that helps me to idealize the different uh, doses that individuals need. Enzymes not only help us digest so that we can absorb things, that helps our bodies repair. But enzymes also are anti-inflammatory, particularly when you take them at least a half an hour away from food. Basically, if you take your enzymes with food, they help you digest your food. If you take them away from foods, they tend to help the rest of the body's inflammatory problems. So with many of my patients, I might have them take enzymes with meals and also away from meals. So I think that'll wrap it up for today's uh, show on aging backwards. So for those of you new to the show, thank you so much for joining me. Once again, if you want to work with me as a patient, you can call me at 914-552-1442. You can visit my website at uh, blooddetective.com or my regular office website, which is integratednutritionny.com. My number again is 914-552-1442. My name is Dr. Michael Wald. You're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. And thank you so much. Have a great day.